taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Happy Sunday to you all. It's so wonderful to um, be with you all again today. So grateful for this day that the Lord has made. Um, I don't know about you, but I am rejoicing and I am glad in it. Um, and today I'm super excited to be with you all again. As always, humbled any time that I have the opportunity to preach. Um, and so today I'm super excited about today's sermon. So before we get started, we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. Most gracious and eternal God, we thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, just for who you are, for your goodness, for your mercy, God, for brand new mercies every single morning. We thank you, Father, for this time that we have virtually to come together to worship you. I pray, Father God, that you will prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you have for you. We thank you, Lord, for the richness of your word and how it has been provided to us to encourage us, to uplift us, to challenge us, and to convict us, God, and to make us better and to be more like you. And so I pray right now, Father God, that you would use this time of preaching, Lord, that you may be glorified and that your people will be edified. We bless you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So for today's topic, we're going to talk about when God's people obey, and we're coming from Deuteronomy chapter six, and I'm going to read a couple of verses. Um, uh, it's going to be pretty lengthy, but bear with me. So we're going to start off uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, starting with verse one, and I'm reading from the New International Version, and it says, these are the commands, decrees, and the laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse seven, impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates we're going to jump down to verse 16. do not put the lord your god to the test as you did at massa be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you 
and you may go in and take over the good in the Lord in the take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said a frustrated eight-year-old was in tears as she was trying to convince her mother that she was telling the truth she couldn't understand why her mother would not believe her the mother struggled as she wanted to believe her but there was a constant pattern of lying that she was trying to break in her daughter she finally confessed and said to her daughter this is why I always stress the importance of telling the truth. When you consistently lie, it makes it hard for me to believe anything you say. It was at that moment that the little girl realized everything her mother was telling her was for her own good. This little girl was me. I learned that day that my disobedience had rippling consequences that hurt me more than my actions at that time lying helped me. It didn't feel good to know that the person that I love the most couldn't trust me. That day was the beginning of me learning how to be obedient, not for fear of getting in trouble, but to be obedient because I value my relationship with my parents. And I began to understand that their correction and their instruction was ultimately for my good. Obedience is one of those words that we think is only applicable to children. Many of us grew up with the Ephesians 6-1 Bible verse that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But the reality is, we are all children, God's children. And obedience should be a way of life for all of us. The Bible constantly reminds us that we are to obey the commands of the Lord and not forget his teachings. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is one of those passages. This chapter is one where Moses had been charged with relaying to the children of Israel the commands that God had given him to tell the people. These laws were given to build the people individually and collectively as a nation. It was to teach them how to govern themselves and how to both live and work together. But most importantly, these commandments were given to them to reveal who God was and is and to draw them closer to him. If they were to be a holy people, they needed guidance on how to live holy. The beauty of God's words and commands is that it transcends time. Just as it was applicable for the children of Israel over 3,000 years ago, so it is applicable for us today. This chapter outlines the motivation for obedience. We will see that with each command that God gives, attached to it is a promise. While these promises are a byproduct of our obedience, it should not be the sole driving force behind our obedience. However, if we're honest, it is a good motivator. But the driving force behind our obedience should be our love for the Lord. Jesus says in the first part of John chapter 14, verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them 
are the ones who love me. Likewise, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. You see, God did not leave it to chance or leave it up to us to figure out how to obey him. No, he gave Moses specific instructions to tell his people how to do it. And as this chapter begins, Moses is reiterating to the people the importance of obedience. The first thing he reminds them is that when we obey God, we obey God by our respect for him. Verse two says, so that you, your children and their children may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Matthew Henry says, the fear of God in the heart will be the most powerful principle of obedience. To fear the Lord doesn't mean that God wants us to be afraid of him. It's quite the opposite. He wants us to know who he is and to know how much he loves us. This fear is more of a reverence or a respect before we can obey God, we must first acknowledge that he is God, the only true and living God, the creator and the sustainer of all things. It's hard to obey someone that you don't respect. That's why he starts off with saying that obedience begins with fear and reverence of the Lord our God. And it is not just for a period of time or for a moment in our lives. But he says that it should be for as long as you live. Our fear of the Lord is a lifelong commitment. What I love about this verse is that it doesn't just stop with us. You see, he specifically states that you, your children and their children after them, which means that we have a responsibility to teach our children to obey God. Parents have the awesome opportunity to demonstrate to their children how to be obedient through their own obedience to God. Just as I learned as a child that my actions had rippling consequences, so do our actions have rippling consequences for generations, whether good or bad. What that looks like is up to us. The second thing Moses reminds them is that we obey God by our devotion to him. Verse five says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We serve a detail oriented God. He didn't just tell them to love him. He told them how to love him with all our hearts, soul, and might. The heart is our inner nature, which includes our intellect, our emotion, and our cognitive abilities. The soul is the personality, our self-consciousness. And might is the collective of our energy, both bodily and mental. The mention of all three is to suggest that God wants us to love him with our total being, the whole us, body, 
soul, and spirit is to be yielded in him in holy and devout affection. This verse might sound familiar as it was Jesus' response many years later to the Pharisees asking him which commandment was the greatest as recorded in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus goes back to this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 when this commandment was first given to the children of Israel. He stated that this is the greatest and the first commandment. He wants us to understand that nothing is more important than this. The only difference in the passages is that Jesus included mind. This was because in the early Hebrew, the heart included what we call the mind. Likewise, Jesus says we ought to love our neighbor as ourself. These two things are the foundation of everything that God commands us. Moses goes on in verses six to eight to tell the people again that we ought to teach it to our children. He says that it is something that should always be a part of our conversation, whether at home, sitting, or walking around out and about, whether we wake, when we wake up in the morning and when we lay down to sleep at night. The more you talk about something, the harder it is to forget. He's telling them that they ought to remember their devotion to the Lord, to not forget it, and that they ought to do whatever it takes to help them remember, even if you have to go to the extreme of writing it on the doorposts of their homes and on the gates, or attaching it to their hands or their foreheads. This demonstrates how important it is that we not forget. They should always be in view and in mind so that we don't deviate from obeying them. To practice this, a few years ago, I started putting Bible verses on my wall um, so that I always have it in my eyesight. One wall is dedicated to Bible verses um, segregated by category, and another wall is of quotes that I should never forget. I did this so that I could remember what my responsibility is as a daughter of the Most High God. So as soon as I wake up in the morning and get out of bed, it is right in my eyesight. Now, this is what works for me, and I encourage you to explore what works for you. But the premise is that God wanted Moses to stress to the people that we ought never to forget his commandments. Remembrance is demonstrated in obedience. I, I heard someone once say that to forget is less a memory problem than a moral one. The last thing Moses reminds them is that we ought to obey God by our trust in him. Verse 16 says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here he references a specific incident at Massa in Exodus chapter 17, where the children of Israel murmured against God because they were thirsty. They questioned God's presence and his power by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Once again, this verse may sound familiar as it was Jesus' response to Satan after his time of fasting in the wilderness. And Satan tells Jesus to jump from the temple. 
Now, if I may digress for a second, just to note that from this passage in Deuteronomy, Jesus pulls two of the commands that God had given to the children of Israel when he was being challenged by the Pharisees and when he was being tempted by Satan. So if Jesus, who is God, thought enough to remember the commands of God, who are we to do any less? But I digress. Th this commandment was specifically a call for them to trust God. When we follow God's commands, we ensure our highest good. Now, it will not be devoid of problems or difficulties because we live in a sinful and a sin-filled world. However, what we are promised is that through it all, God will be with us. And, his, and with his presence comes the blessing of peace, harmony, health, and longevity. We can trust that if God promised it, it will happen. Just as it is difficult to obey without respect, it is difficult to practice obedience without trust. But where trust resides, it will influence all of life so that the commandments of God will be followed and that which is good and right in God's sight will be done. God is looking for our obedience to be a lifelong commitment. Are you willing to make that commitment today? If so, we can do so by writing out practical ways that we can obey God. I did this a couple of years ago and I'll share some of mine with you as an example. So I said, I will obey God with my heart by loving him more than any relationship, activity, achievement, or possession. I will obey God with my mind by seeking to know him and his word. So his principles and values form the, the foundation of all I think and do. I will obey God with my body by recognizing that my strengths, talents, and sexuality are all given to me by God to be used for pleasure and fulfillment according to his rules, not my own. I will obey God with my will by committing myself completely to him. I will obey God with my finances by deciding that all of the resources I have ultimately come from God and that I am to be a manager of it and not an owner. And I will obey God with my future by deciding to make service to God and people the main purpose of my life's work. So I challenge you this week, if you haven't done so already, to take some time to think about how you can obey God practically in your everyday life and in real and tangible ways. God is not looking for blind obedience. As I mentioned before, he gave us his commandments as a way to reveal who he is so that we may know him. And by knowing him, so does our respect for him grow, our devotion to him grows, and our trust in him grows.
Let us pray. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to give us instruction on how to live a life that is filled with fulfillment and with abundance. God, we thank you that attached to everything and every commandment that you've given us, God, is a promise, a promise of peace, a promise of health, a promise of longevity, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a promise of harmony. We thank you, Father, that we can trust you knowing that if you said it, that it will come to pass. And so I pray right now, Lord, for every individual that is under the sound of my voice, that as we look at our lives and as we contemplate how we can obey you, let it be made real to us, that it will be ever before us, God, that we will never forget, and that it will be a lifelong purpose to obey you. Lord, our heart's desire is to please you. Our heart's desire, God, is to be like you. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you will remove anything that will be an obstacle from us, oh God, being obedient to you. Help us, oh Lord, to keep your commandments on our lips and in our hearts, God. Let us never forget it so that it will always be a part of our lives. Father, I thank you for those that are teaching and training their children in accordance to your word. And I pray, Father God, that as you continue, as they continue to train their children, God, that they, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Thank you, Lord, that the foundation of your word is carrying on for generations to come, God. We thank you, Lord, that as we are establishing that foundation today, God, that our children and our children's children and their children, God, will know and love you and fear you, God, and respect and reverence who you are. We thank you, Lord, that the blessings that are attached to our obedience, God, will be those that will be able to encourage others to love you, to serve you, to worship you, and to be devoted to you holistically, God, body, mind, and spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you give us through our obedience. We thank you, Father, that you didn't leave us to do this by ourselves, but you promised that you would be with us. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.